And that's what we talk about even about feet with wide feet, small feet, you know, toes spread and things like that. If you want to go fast, you can't have spread toes. Once again, you just increase the surface area. I want to reduce the surface area. So, and at the same time, too, if I'm in a small surface area, the other toes come over to reinforce the big toe. So, once again, I don't want them toes spread out if I'm trying to go fast. I'm trying to stand in one spot, sure, spread them, salt, large surface area, stay there. But if I want to go fast, I, they got to come together. That was coach, biomechanist, and inventor, Adarian Barr, speaking on pressure, toe spacing, and the transverse arch of the foot. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the Free Lap Timing System, Gym Aware, KBox, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10-meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The K-Box and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches, training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 147 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith, and we are happy to have back on the show Coach Adarian Barr. Um, he's been on, this is his fourth time, and I'm always thrilled to have Adarian on. If you look at this podcast as, as kind of a series of uh, mini lectures, if you will, uh, with coaches who are really on the edge, the fringe of the field, and I say the fringe, uh, the fringe is a good thing. The fringes is really pushing that circle of um, knowledge and awareness of what makes a good athlete and what makes training great uh, to a greater uh, level. We're expanding that circle of awareness, and I strongly believe that Adarian Barr is really leading um, a huge charge in that realm in the world of athletic movement and particularly learning what makes athletes fast. I think we it's very easy to reduce the whole equation to just force and velocity um, and then when we're in the weight room, velocity means putting a tendo on a bar, but we're still moving well under those uh, joint angular velocities that athletes are moving at. And so, and not to mention the, the triplanar nature and everything that goes into athlete movement. One of the topics we've spoke on quite frequently uh, on this show is the foot. And that was actually the topic of discussion last time I had a Darian on. Um, and before that, he spoke a little bit on athletic asymmetry. And then our first podcast was on biomechanical myths and truths in coaching, such as um, talking about things like getting your knees up and sprinting, why people tend to say that, why it's not um, that conducive. And we actually talked about that on the, the last episode as well, relating um, basically building sprinting from the feet up and what's happening uh, as an athlete goes through pronation, supination, force travels across the foot, the Achilles loads and unloads. And how the timing of all that 
is critical to a good sprinting technique. And when we coach outside of that, things upstream without considering the foot, we run into trouble. It was an awesome episode, and it was really cool to see coaches, other um, coaches on social media, really taking hold of those concepts as well. I and Adarian is just doing such incredible things um, in the coaching space and sharing his information. So. For this one, again, it's a continuation of a discussion on the foot, and this time we're specifically digging into uh, the arches. How, how do we activate all three arches of the foot? How do we work with the transverse arch of the foot? Um, it may seem like minutia, but it's really not. It, it's critical. It, it's it's kind of like um, it's that, that last link, or not the last link. It's like the foot is very complex, but if we look at the, probably the most critical aspect of the foot, if something's on or off, and if you have a good jump or sprint and able to do something well, it is that transverse arch. And so it's important to dig into that. So for today, we uh, this was actually, uh, this podcast was recorded after I had finished a track session with the Darian about three or four weeks ago. We recorded it in person, which I'm really enjoying doing lately. And so uh, this also came off of the NCAA indoor uh, championship meet, uh, where Grant Holloway just completely lit it up and uh, set up some NCAA records, like in the hurdles, and is also an incredible sprinter and long jumper. And Adarian was able to take a lot of things that really make Grant special compared to his competitors and highlight those, whether it's uh, the foot and pressure. Uh, or whether it's same-sidedness. So we're going to talk about same-sidedness a little bit and how that filters into motor learning. Uh, that was the area we kind of went outside of the foot, but whether you're coaching uh, javelin or throwing a baseball or long jumping or hurdling or any sk- or hitting a volleyball or any skill, uh, knowing the same-sided concept could really revolutionize what you're doing. And it's made a big, big impact for me. So uh, this, uh, this short episode is really all about the foot, specifically the transverse arch, um, and what it means to be basically unpacking fast. Uh, and again, it's <clears throat> basically unpacking fast. And that's really anytime you talk to a Darian, that's what it's all about. What makes one athlete faster than another, you know, all things else being equal, you're the same in the weight room, your max force is the same, but I ran two tenths faster than you did. What's different? So we'll get into that, uh, all things foot pressure, and this was a cool little episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, one last thing is that Adarian will be teaching out of Santa Clara, California at the annual uh, California Rewire Seminar, and that's on June 22nd and 23rd. And so if you're interested in some intensive hands-on learning with him, because all this stuff is awesome to hear about, to experience it, it's just massive. And that's what's allowed me to really piece together all this and really put it into my intuition to fully understand this. So I would highly recommend uh, coming out and, and checking out Adarian's um, hands-on teaching techniques to feel this for yourself. That's on June 22nd and 23rd in Santa Clara, California. And you can sign up for that on justflysports.com if you scroll down to the rewire banner that's on the bottom right. So, so we'd hope to see you there. That all being said, let's get out of this foot pressure and arch-centered par- performance podcast with Coach Adarian Barr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody just sent me a picture of a video, a short video clip of, of Zion Williams getting ready to jump. And what happens? Arms out, both arms come back, and then boom, he goes. And so that's back to what we've been talking about is, is putting energy into the body. So he, he's banging them, putting them back to jump and stuff like that. But it was just cool that somebody said, hey, man, check this out. Yeah, yeah, that's it right there. Yeah, it's it's good to see him playing again. Like, you, uh, you, you it was oh, yeah. cool, too, when you, uh, when you blew out of the shoe. And, and 
I mean, it's easy to hate on shoes, right? Right, like, right, right, like, right, right, right. It's very right. easy. Yeah. But you're you were the first person who said, "Hey, look at how he misstepped before that foot even fell." Right, 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 right. So yeah, we we always put. We never go back far enough in looking at something. Like I said, we want to blame the shoe. So, yeah, we see the shoe blow out. Oh, it's a shoe fall. It's a shoe fall. Well, how much do we expect from the shoe? I mean, that's like having a car with tires rated at 70 miles an hour, then you drive 150 miles an hour. You know, they, they 70 miles per hour tires. Why are you doing 150 expecting to hold up? Same thing. Under normal circumstances, that shoe would hold up. Under that circumstance, no, it's not going to hold up anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think any shoes at all are built to uh, withstand... Uh, 280 pounds of dude like that misstepped and then put it all in impact, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in the show uh, that put all the whole impact into just one part of the shoe. I mean, that's impossible. I don't know of any shoe that could take that like maybe 50 times and, and survival 50, right? Right, 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 right. And that still becomes the thing that we, we keep talking about is what do we expect from these things? You know, what do we expect from performance? What do we expect? And why do we expect more than what it can provide in the first place, you know. Well, and the reason why is because we want to blame some, you know. Mm-hmm. I told you shoes are no good for your feet. I told you that, that, that. I told you Nike make bad shoes. I told. You. <laughs> okay, a million people wear Nike shoes. One pair blows out. Doesn't make it a bad shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you and I both, you know, know as well as anybody who cares really cares and looks in the foot that yes, modern shoes are not optimal, right. by, by any means. Right. But you know, I mean, these people who are making these shoes specifically for, oh, I mean, it was Paul George's, right? Like someone at least knew Paul George's um, general tendencies and, right. and tried to do a good job. And, exactly. And, 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 yeah. But like, it, you know, it was his non, his injured leg was not the one in the shoe, right? It, and that one misstepped right before he went. Everything went into. Right. Shoot blowout and whatever. <laughs> but Duke won the last game, so hey. Hey, hey yeah. Hey, basics, basics, execute <laughs> fundamentals, grab rebounds. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, one, one of your latest Instagram posts that I thought was really cool, and like my life is so crazy, but it's like if I am on Instagram, it's like, okay, I got to see. I mean, they have it geared so the stuff you actually look at shows up first, so it's always right. your stuff that shows up if I do start going through the feed and you show it on um, Holloway. Uh, was uh, on his record-setting hurdle race. Right. I was on a smaller part of his foot. It's like, yeah, we're talking about the foot, right? Zion, a little bit of pressure in one part of the foot, blow out the shoe. Um, but he was able to uh, steer his foot during that hurdle race, coming off the hurdle in a manner, or was it the, acceler- it was the acceleration? Sorry. Uh, right. Acceleration that was directed differently. Can you talk about, like, yeah, shoe, the part of the foot, pressure, speed, force? Uh, let's talk about fast today. Let's. Uh, yeah, fast is, you know, a lot of times we talk about force application. And this way I try to go about it is, you know, if I have a thousand pounds of force and I have a, a area that's, that's 10 square inches, you know, that will get divided up into the area. So now I'm technically putting out a, a hundred pounds per square inch. What if I can put the whole thousand pounds through one inch? Same force, except now it's going through one inch. The return is going to be so much greater than the hundred that's going through the inch. And that's what we get into is that how do we increase pressure? Not necessarily the force, but how do we increase the amount of pressure that we're putting out and, and, and everything. And so when we talk about inside edge and we talk about Grant Holloway, yeah, you watch that start. And a lot of people want to correct people's feet from turning in or turning out. And so once they turn out, that puts you into a small area. So now you have a lot of force going through a small area, which means you get a lot of pressure now. And the pressure helps you to 
go fast and accelerate. But most people want to say, no, straighten the foot out. But now if I straighten that foot out, I enlarge the area and I reduce the pressure. Same force, reduce pressure. Now I don't go as fast. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think one of the things too, like we were literally just doing this um, with different like foot inserts and various things is right. like, and the way that your foot is like, okay, if your foot does hit flat and pressure is more evenly distributed, that's good for being like a brake, more force, jumping up. Right. Like you wouldn't jump, <laughs> you wouldn't jump vertically off the inside little end no. of the corner. Yeah. No, it's too much. And, and so, yeah. And so even as we run, you know, a lot of times we practice things we don't have to practice because it's already built into the if, but that comes back to that, how we're using the foot. So, so we have to go back to like, if you're using your foot as a class two lever, it works this way with pressure. If you're not using your foot as a class two lever, then yeah, put all the force you want to put into it. It just goes back to how me, I prefer pressure, class two lever. It works better that way, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, 100%. So I, I hear you talk about, um, yeah, I hear you talk about class two lever a lot. And I'm sure anyone who's followed your Instagram account has has heard you say that in the foot. And we know how important the foot is. Like, it's it's just this critical transmission and, and linchpin of being a great athlete. And so what when you talk about the foot as a class two, what uh, like what do you, I mean, I, I Maybe I can link to something like that in the show notes, like with the wheelbarrow. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but what do you what do you mean by that? Like versus like a class one or a class three? Like what does that mean? Yeah. Okay. So there's there's three classifications: one, two, and three. And the only thing that changes they all need a fulcrum point, they all need effort or force, and they all need a load or resistance. The only thing that changes is the combination of where these things are placed at. So, for instance, in a class one, which most people think of like a a, um, um, a seesaw. You know, where the fulcrum's in the middle, you can put the load on one side, you put the effort on the other side, you know, which is also what the head is. Sitting on it, it it's a class one. You got the muscles in the back, got muscle, but, but I'm going to pull this way to go this way. So that's a class one. Class three is the elbow joint, knee joint. Once again, fulcrum point here, the load is at the end, and the effort or the force is in the middle. So when you get to a class two lever, you have the fulcrum point, then you have the load in between the fulcrum point and the force. And, and so with the foot being a class two lever, it's designed to handle loads, heavy loads. Mm -hmm. Class three levers are designed to handle rapid movement, fast movement. Yeah, yeah, I and, see. And so, and so we get these things where we say, okay, now how does it make me go fast? This we, <laughs> this we talk about, go fast. Well, once again, if I, the theory that they have about a shorter lever moves faster, well, if I can shorten it fast into a shorter lever, then yeah, I can move faster. We never talk about that part. Not just shortening it, but how fast can I shorten it to make it move faster? So it's a missing component there. Once you put the how fast I can shorten it to make it into a shorter lever, then we into moving fast again. Same thing the, 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 with the class two lever. If you were loading up a wheelbarrow, it goes this way here. If somebody was throwing rocks into the wheelbarrow as you're trying to move it, it would drop down. You pop it back up really fast. Now, if there is no load, the effort or force is low. So how do I load this thing? That's what that's that because how do I load it? How do I load it fast so I can get a, a and that becomes the thing of a class two lever, how we train it fast. But that gets into shin angle, you know, because a lot of times people look at the foot, they talk about ground reaction forces. So they see the foot actually being pushed off the ground mm -hmm. instead of the shin loading it and then the Achilles popping it up, which a lot of times people go, can the Achilles handle that kind of load? It was designed to handle, mm -hmm. the, is the, that lever is designed to handle heavy loads. So yes, it can handle it. And, and so we get into those things there. But, the, but fast is how fast? Now we're talking about force. I don't care about the force anymore. 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 80 pounds, 10 pounds. How fast can I get it now? How fast can I load this thing? And then boom, we're going to go. That becomes the overriding question is the speed at which I can load whatever it is. If it's 100 pounds, how fast can I do it? 
Yeah. No, I, I like, um, to me, like I try to make things as, or, or reduce things a lot of times in my mind to make it easier for me to understand. Uh, and I like that you've always taught me, um, how to think more than what to think right. <laughs> as, as all good <laughs> teachers. Right. And like, so basically I just look at it like, you know, wheelbarrow is designed for really heavy forces. The ankle is the lever, you know, it's not a speed lever like the elbow. It's designed for really heavy forces. And so, but then to be fast, well, we have to learn how to load the wheelbarrow faster than, you know, than not to right. load a speed lever <laughs> or just raw force too. Like you were saying, like, like just raw force off the ground. Like there is, it's more about the loading, how we load it than just looking at just pure force on a force plate or the end product. Right. And that's what a lot of times we're looking at is the end product, but, but something had to happen before the mm-hmm. end product came about. And, and so, yeah, like I said, if, if your arms are holding those barrels or holding the handles of a wheelbarrow, somebody dropped a thousand pound rock, it's going to jerk you down. Then you're going to jerk it back up. That's if somebody drops a ten pound, it's going to jerk you down. You're going to jerk it back up. That's all it is. But but we're looking at the jerk up. We never saw the jerk down. Yeah, and so the weight the weight in the wheelbarrow is based like the you know the force through the body coming down like through the shin basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why too when we talk about another thing we talk about is pressure. Why do I want pressure? Because I need the fulcrum to stay in place. I can't have the fulcrum if the fulcrum point moves, all bets are off. So I need a lot of pressure on that fulcrum point in the first place to hold. The, then all of a sudden, yeah, you can drop a load because the fulcrum point is going to hold and go. If it doesn't hold, the wheel will pop off the ground. And so all of a sudden, yeah, if the load's too much, the wheel may pop off the ground. Well, at that point in time, ah, the lever's no good. <laughs> so, so we want pressure on that fulcrum point, which is the transverse arch, so that I can put a heavy load and load it fast. And then I can get this force that, I, that I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the transverse arch, too, so that basically it's the arch that runs from the ball of the little toe to the ball of the big toe. I mean, more or less, right? Right, 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 right. Run at a kind of angle, yeah, yeah. But a lot of times people just talk about the ball of the foot. No, mm-hmm. it's that, <laughs> that whole area you need, that, that transverse arch. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's easy just to say, you know, get to your big toe. Like, okay, like, but, but no, you hear for every, you know, 10 times you say get to your big toe or something about the big toe, you hear maybe one person mention the transverse arch or the... The, I like right. to think of it like, um, you know, we always want to think um, proximal before we think distal, but everyone wants to go to the, the distal end. And, and um, I think that, you know, going to the arch first is, is such an important thing. And then it literally, I'm just starting to think in the last few months about, you know, people who, when they accelerate, they, they basically their, their Achilles or their, their heel just goes right down to the ground. They mush. And, uh, and sorry, I'm finally starting to look at that little dome the toes makes in front, you know. Right, like part right. Of the, the right. equation that, that that being so important. Well, two things can happen, uh, and what we call is like ankle collapse. And, and so what happens is if I slam my foot down, that's going to press the foot up into dorsiflexion. At the same time, my shin is moving towards the top of the foot. So actually at that point in time, I actually collapse the ankle. And, and so that's why I'm not a, a fan of slamming the foot into the ground mm-hmm. because I want the foot to hit the ground, transverse arch locks in, and then the shin moved towards the top of the foot. And a lot of people still call that dorsal. I don't call that dorsiflexion. I call it the shin moving towards, you know. But uh, it's, it's, it's easy. It, once you see it, you know, when you see real powerful people do it, and then you go, oh. Because now, instead of getting the, the load, you're getting a collapse. And then you still lift the wheelbarrow up, but it's not the same effort being output anymore because the lever kind of broke in a sense. Yeah, yeah. And I know like uh, previous guests, like Chris Corfus has talked about this, when that lever, when the, when the transverse arch goes and the, the foot collapses and you have like a really rapid um, loss of shin, like a really rapid loss of shin angle, like too fast uh, or something like that in acceleration. I mean, you need a little drop, right? Shin drop. But if you lose well, the... Well, no, the you YouTube, don't because that's no. where also steering comes in at. 
You okay. don't, it don't have to drop. It can steer left or right, which still gets you the same effect. I see. With the feet, sir. With the, yeah, with oh, the foot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It doesn't right. have to drop. So, so, at some, so say I'm coming out of blocks or say on that first step out the blocks. It doesn't have to drop. It can go left or right, which is going to give me the same effect. Yeah, so there has to be movement. It has to be movement. It might not be um, the knee falling for like or the the shin falling downwards in angle you could be getting it through uh the like the outward twisting the pronation of the foot a little bit or something. oh no the shin is always gonna move so okay. the, the shin is always gonna so so the shin is always gonna move and then from there it either can drop the heel down or it can steer it left or right but the shin movement has to come first okay so the shin is always gonna drop always forward, gonna but, always gonna drop forward but then from there the it you could get uh, ankle twist, or you might not. Right, 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 okay, right. Okay. And then also, too, depends on which way you're going. If you're going to do a vertical jump, the shin will come back up. If you can go forward, the hip comes over the knee. It just depends on, yeah, what's going on at that time. Yeah. But the shin is always going to drop. It's always going to drop. And that's what we talk about even with running and being fast. And that's why we have the assessment. If you do the assessment, I know your range. And a lot of people say, I want more range. No, you don't want more range. No, you don't. Because now you got to figure out how to go through that range even faster. You yes. know? So I don't want more range. I, this is the range I have. So, so say I'm running and I'm at top end. This is where you watch video. You can see why somebody loses race at top end. It's because they're landing too close to the end range. And so there's no load. Oh, yeah, I guess. So they, they didn't have time to load. So at, at top end, you got to land a little bit further back. So you have time to load because things are going so fast. At the start of a race, guess what? I want to be closer to the start end. Because now I'm going to load. I, want, I don't want to be, if I'm at the end range again, it's going to go back up. But I can be halfway in between. I don't have to be exactly at the start range. I can be like halfway in between because now I want that small movement. And, and so, but I do want that shin to move. It's just, you know, how fast is it going to move? How far is it going to move? And then once it's done moving, the loading, boom, takes place. You're done with it. So, I mean, maybe from a very black and white way of looking at it or polarized, like you, you're more in dorsal flexion early in a race. And then later in a race, if you if, if you land in too much in dorsal flexion, you're already at end range and you can't store and release energy. Very, you, you can't load that second class lever very well. It's like, especially with the higher forces, that right. vertical forces coming right. at you on that top end. Because they come back so fast. That's yeah. what people forget too is how fast things coming back to you. Everybody says opposite and equal, but how fast? Milliseconds. How fast did it come? So as soon as your foot hits the ground, guess what? Opposite equal is taking place. So if I stomp too hard, it's already came back through me. And that's when, like I said, at that point in time, what happens? You can see at high speed, you can actually see people's feet bounce off the ground. So you can actually see that fulcrum, that, that, that anchor point actually bounce off the ground and come back down to the mm-hmm. ground because it's too much. Yeah. It's amazing. But, but, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, we, we have to look at it at I need this thing to anchor me. And then I need this thing to do something. And I need this thing to do something. Yeah, just, I was actually, well, I was going to write a note just in case I forgot. But since it's fresh in my mind, okay, so you talk about, we got the, the load is the weight coming down in the second class lever, coming down the shin into the foot. Um, the, the fulcrum is basically like the balls of the feet then? Transverse like, arch. Oh, the tra- yeah, you mentioned that, transverse arch against the ground. So that has to be anchored. So let's let's talk about that because um, I think, you know, it's easy just to say punch the ground because we, we have force in mind. But rather than saying that and, and being coaching like acceleration or running from a, an arch mindset, what types of things are you looking to instruct athletes in that regard as they, they, they move to move fast and sprint? Uh, well, that's where we get into even squat and running. Yeah. That when it hits, I'm going to squat down on it to really pressurize it. And also it's going to force the shin moving faster. So we get these, because how do we move fast? How do we move faster? So at that point in time, if I'm on the transverse arch, my, my butt is actually going to drop towards the heel, which pushes the shin down even faster. And then I'm gone again. 
you know, versus just letting it hit and he settle on it. You actually got to do some more work to actually anchor that thing to the ground. Yeah. And that's, we were just talking about that too. And I like the idea of you have to squat to pressurize the system. Right. And how, I don't know, like the, for years, right. I was, I was in the A skips and B skips and, and pre-programmed <laughs> position and be tall. Right, but there's right. no pressure in that. There's no pressure. Yeah. There's no pressure. You're extended. There's nothing happening from a tall position. And so we have to get in a situation where, and I said, that's why we have the fold up drills. Why you think I'm always working on folding up? If I can fold up, I can extend. But we always work on extension. We never work on folding. Everything's a kick or an extension or something else. But we never say, hey, let's work on actually folding up, moving while folding up. How do we get folded up? And, how, and then once that happens, then it doesn't matter how am I going to unfold or unhinge. That becomes the next thing. And same thing, even while, you know, like lifting weights, you know, based on your, 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 your shins moving and things like that, it's going to dictate what type of lifts you can do, you know, or how deep you can squat. And so somebody may not be able to squat deep because they don't have much range. Let's increase the range. No, 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 no. So, so that becomes the thing is that when, when we, we talking about fast, it, it becomes down to how fast can I do these things? What can I do to make these things faster? What can I do to make the shin drop faster? What can I do to, to make this, this arch anchor faster? And even with that, the other thing too is your arches don't work automatically. We have to do something to get the arches to work. They just don't work. And the reason being is they may not be needed. If you're just standing around doing nothing, you don't need your arches. So at that point in time, they're off. But if you decide to move, you got to activate them. And we say arches, not arch. You need three of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, yes. You know, all three of them got to come to life at that point in time. And there's various strategies. And that's why I say strategies. What strategies are you using to get three of these things to come to play at the same time? You know, that's what we were talking about earlier about extending, you know, pinky toe up, extending, and then scoot up. Those are some strategies to get three arches to work. Yeah. And let, let, so let's go through those. I, and well, well, the first one of the things I like that you had mentioned uh, was that it could be a faster that second class lever, which is designed for force handling heavy loads can go faster if you bring the ends of the wheelbarrow closer together. Basically, like the heel bringing it towards the transverse arch a little bit. Yeah. If I, if I bring them closer together, because at that point in time, I can I can root myself faster. It's, 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 I can root myself faster. And at the same time. Now that I have this stronger arch, I can move faster. So everything comes down to an anchor point and strength. But the strength of the, of how, the, strength of the anchor and the strength of the arch is going to dictate how fast I can move again. So it is not, people, people talk about toes, but, but toes don't help you move fast. Yeah. A, a, a well-used arch and a well-anchored focal point allows you to move fast. Yeah, it's like the toes are just the end product. Like if they, if the arch is doing its thing well, then you know the toes could be good. Like, but if right. you just think toes, that doesn't impact where the force starts. And if you, you can have the best toes in the world, but if you don't have a transverse arch, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And a lot of times people talk about you know my my arch collapse, my arch collapse. They didn't. They never collapsed. They were in a relaxed state. So anything in a relaxed state, of course, it's going to comply. <laughs> so of course, if you go inside edge in a relaxed state on the arch, of course, it's going to comply and what flatten out. But if you, if, you, if you go ahead and activate it, it's not going to comply anymore. So at that point in time, when you try to roll over, it's going to push back. And that's what we're looking for, the pushback. Yeah. It, it, well, some of the other things, that it's almost like the, the triangle of power, right? You got your, your pinky toe, big toe, and, and, and reverse windlass. Um, I think we've talked about it in the last ones. But uh, talk about how the pinky toe works to activate the arch and then talk about that. Uh, today was actually the first time I heard you mention uh, lengthening the big toe. So those two things, just going over that real quick and how that helps to set it up. Well, the, the, the pinky toe sets up the transverse arch, and so I have to lift it up. When I, when I lift it up, the tra- you, can, you actually see the transverse arch form. You, you'll see it just mm-hmm. form up itself, and those other toes off the ground, things like that. 
Now, when I extend, people usually, if you say extend, people can think two things. They, they think flex up the big toe or they, think, they don't think curl up, but they think flex up, you know. But if you actually lengthen, extend it away from the base of the foot, that actually creates a windless mechanism also where it tightens up everything and wants to pull that heel forward, which once again, if I can pull the endpoints together, I have a more solid arch, a stronger arch if I can pull it. And we're talking about the transverse arch and the heel, pull those endpoints together, and the arch is a stronger arch. Now, all of a sudden, I have this tight fascia everybody talks about. I have this tight fascia here, this tight fascia here, and these bones locked together. So, yeah, now I have a strong arch. But it, but it takes the pinky toe and the big toe to set these things up. Sure thing. Uh, and so when, when, so when it comes down to it, you know, people are accelerating. And I think it's like or, or sprinting or doing sprint drills or whatever. And a lot of times it's easiest just to take the big easy cue. You know, it's easy to tell people to punch the ground or, 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 or whatever, right? But like how, what's the process of, um, like what are some really simple things to talk to people about when they're moving doing a, a sprint or, a, or even apply i mean it's just probably different when you do plyometric because that's more force and less speed right so i shouldn't say that but, but what, do you, what are some things from a foot perspective that we're talking about when we're talking about being fast uh well direction so direction of movement at ground contact people don't really talk about so one of the things if, if you punch the ground straight down you can get it straight back up and if, like i said at that point in time your transverse arch or fulcrum point is going to bounce off the ground mm-hmm. now the other thing too is if the foot is moving in the same direction you're moving in it's going gonna, it's gonna to stick the ground and actually stab the ground. So people say, you're stabbing the ground with your toe. Well, yeah, because the foot is moving in the same direction you're moving. And so when it hits the ground, it actually stabs the ground, but I'm still not on the transverse arch. So I want things to cycle back to me. I don't want to pull. I just want to be cycling back to me. They cycle back to me, they land right on the transverse arch. So that becomes the thing is how do you get the leg to cycle back to you, no matter what's going on, how do you get this thing to cycle back to me so I land right on the transverse arch? Yeah, as you were saying that... I- kind of brought to mind one thing you've told me before and i feel like if you have a really good transverse arch your foot's totally loaded and you are doing those like like punch your foot down type ideals then you're going to get a really high knee action because it's punching down and returning back to you really high right and perhaps too much i guess in some scenarios well once again you need a strategy and, and this is this is the whole thing if you lift your knee high what's the strategy for getting the foot back down to the mm-hmm. ground there is no strategy. What, well, they say, you know, drive it down. But then you go, okay, what muscles are doing this? Or what action? How do, we, how do you drive it down? Then that becomes the next thing. But you need a strategy. Uh, I'm going to lift it. Now how do I get it back down? So, so you need strategies. <laughs> I, got some good, I like the, the yeah. wildlife out here. This we, is like, this is a cool new vibe to the podcast. We, we got away from the birds. <laughs> across the track, back. We got audience. <laughs> so that, and that's like the same thing coming out of blocks. What's your strategy for getting your foot down fast? And so one of the things we showed today with that same side movement, that gets your foot down really, really fast. But that's a strategy. If you split your arms apart, your foot doesn't get down fast. But you told me to get it down fast. Mm-hmm. And then you gave me a poor strategy for actually getting it down fast. And that's why... It's not about right or wrong. Is it a good strategy or is it a bad strategy for what you're trying to accomplish? And that takes on a different conversation. Yeah. I, and yeah, that was the next question that I wanted to get into was the same time strategy. But before I do, I, I kind of wanted to close out this foot thing and, and being fast with something that we had talked about just when we met today. And that was we were looking at the that 60-meter um, hurdle final and like how people would – Holloway specifically – um, would have his foot straight for more of a forceful stride, but then when he needed to speed up, he would turn it out. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that, like how the turnout of the foot or the straightness of the foot, how he was using that to, to be either forceful or fast as he would go and how that kind of fits into 
where we coach. Yeah, because the the foot direction is going to dictate the surface area again. And so um, coming over hurdles, how do I slow down without slowing down? That, that becomes, like I said, I, I want to slow down, but but I don't want to slow down. So if I put if I allow more of the surface area of the foot to contact the ground, I just slow down without technically slowing down. Now, if I expose a smaller part of the foot to the ground, I just sped up because now, once again, the force I'm putting out, smaller surface area, bigger return versus if I increase the surface area, smaller return. So I just slow down without even trying to slow down. But I'm still going fast because I'm not putting energy into slow. I'm just steering my foot in a way that, that affects me slow down, speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down, speed up without physically slowing down and speeding up. Yeah, it makes me think of just how the best athletes have the best bandwidth to work with. Like they right. can turn their foot out if they want to. Right. Small pressure on that inside edge, or they can turn it back flat, equal. And I, like, I watch like you know the slow kids at uh, track club are the ones like you know these these nine ten year olds in clodhopper shoes. Like all they have is is middle, like middle, middle and straight, and and huge <laughs> long low slow impulse and all that. Right, stuff. right, and that becomes a thing. The surface, and then you put on a shoe, so people remember that you put a shoe on you just increase the surface already you're reducing things because you put a shoe on that's larger than your foot <laughs> so you already increase the surface which is what we did with gel shoes we actually just decrease we just decrease the surface area and all of a sudden boom so so that becomes a thing too we have to be careful with shoes and everything like that uh uh as far as these surface areas are concerned but yeah if you want to get faster just understand how to reduce the surface area yeah and and yeah like you said like it's almost like and i was talking to you today about how i was at the park for like an hour and a half with my daughters two and a half and like I, all the kids, you know, you watch them barefoot. I'm always like watching like what their feet are doing before they get older and get your in <laughs> shoes like all the time. And, yeah. and what do your feet do? Bef- well, you do have these options, a little surface area. And there's this, there's his kid was probably like five, like running up the hill barefoot. And you could just see how he, um, you know, he's just off on kind of the ball of his foot right. on, on one foot, but, but you could see his feet were, were working well. And, and they were like, this kid is fast. You know? Right, and, right, 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 right. And even how I can stand on the, you know, like so even we, if, we, if you get to that area, and that's what we talk about even about feet with wide feet, small feet, you know, toes spread and things like that. If you want to go fast, you can't have spread toes. Once again, you just increase the surface area. I want to reduce the surface area. So and at the same time, too, if I'm in a small surface area, the other toes come over to reinforce the big toe. So once again, I don't want them toes spread out if I'm trying to go fast. I'm trying to stand in one spot. Sure, spread them. Salt, large surface area. Stay there. But if I want to go fast, I, they got to come together. And, and, and you got to think about that, too, where people show you the pitch all the time about, you know, the, the businessman who worked in these shoes and his feet are like this. And then they show you the barefoot runner. Well, how fast did he go? Yeah. Who's the faster runner? That's all I want to know. <laughs> you know, but, but they never tell you who's the faster runner. They just show you, this is bad, this is good. Well, who's the faster guy? I'm going with the faster guy. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, LeBron James's feet. Look how terrible and ugly they are. Well, LeBron can go pretty fast and jump right, pretty right. high. He's got that, those toes are loaded. In right. Front. So give me his feet. Yeah. Like, like I said, and that's the same thing like when people said Usain Bolt technique is bad. Well, give me his technique because I want to go 9.5. Yeah. I don't want the 10-second technique. I want the 9.58 technique. Give me, give me that stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's funny how, I mean, you know, Zig, Zig was saying the same thing on the podcast. We just did Zig Ziglar on how the toes shouldn't be spread out. They have to, that, they have to be close. That transverse arch packed and it's loaded and ready to go. And, and, uh, I think that it is correct. We have those toe spreaders. There was a point in time, I think, where I was like, oh, that could be a good idea. Oh, my, you know, like, oh, my, my little toe is always curled in. I need, but then it's like, okay, wait a second. Do you want your transverse arch to work? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. And if you spread them out, then guess what? You have no transverse arch, which is fine. Like I said, if you just want to stand someplace, spread them. But if you want to move and move fast, don't spread them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just physics. And yet, 
It's just these subtleties that's so important to being fast, but yet we always want to find a solution that's outside of our shoe, a way we're lifting weights or a way that we're a drill or a plyometric we're doing. It's like I I spent 10 years, I feel like, reducing my impulse through footwear and squatting through my heels and collapsing in my squatting and all this stuff and, and lifting my knees too much, which required a, lo- a lower, slower impulse. And, and here I am at 35 and I just want to get it back. Right, right. We all want to get it back, but that's why we have, that's, and that's what Rewire is about, how to get it back, how to, yeah. how to get back to that, that state before somebody actually started coaching you exactly you know and, exactly. and so i remember being fast and, and i remember you know same thing i had a small arm stroke when i ran you know and and they would tell me you need to open your arm stroke up the more open the arm stroke up the slower i got yep and, and yep. then it became another issue and then it became another issue instead of somebody hey just go back to that small arm stroke man just just go back to that thing <laughs> yeah no to be to start that's why it's like i love going to the park i love watching you know kids run around and do their thing before anyone tells them what to do you know all the right. different ways they play and you know even my daughter trying to learn to dribble basketball it's just like i have like a closer eye just how the, the kid wants to do it before right. someone told him how to do something and i and i think what happens too is is people forget that they'll say well is is so-and-so training this way so-and-so doesn't have to train this way because they already have it yeah but we can learn something. That, that's always the most funniest thing. Well, I don't think they're. Tra- I don't think they actually trained to spread the, to to close their toes together. Mm-hmm. No, because they're already that way. Yeah. They don't <laughs> or your nervous system figured it out. Like this is what it's going to take to go fast. Right. Subconscious mind super powerful. Okay. Yeah. Body's like I can do that for you. <laughs> right. 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 Well, and that's like the picture I posted today with with Norman and Phelps. Yeah. A swimmer and a, and, a, and a sprinter coming out the blocks. Identical. Identical. Huh? How did that happen? Because the elite athletes, they're wired the same way. They need to be explosive. So they're, it's this, it's explosive is explosive. The move is the movement. But here's a swimmer who we, who we say is slow. You know, mm-hmm. say swim people are slow. But yet he's doing the same thing this elite sprinter is doing out the blocks. Holy cow, people. Get a glue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for those of you guys listening to, uh, if you had a, a Darian's uh, Instagram, Nonsense Sports Training, he has a really cool picture of uh, yeah, Michael Phelps and uh, Norman side by side, same shin angles, like same thing with the arms. It's great. It's crazy. Neck, everything. Different sports. Yeah. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. So check that out. But hey, um, yeah, back, uh, l- last little uh, few questions of this uh, show, which, uh, you know, I'm looking at this vibe. We got the sun, we got the little mountains track. This yeah, is good like- weather. People coming out to train, so... Yeah, people coming to train. It's gonna be interesting. Oh, so we can do a live. We, oh man, that'd be that'd be wrong. Live commentary <laughs> on, on people running by. Yeah, that's that would be fun. We'll have to do one of these. It's it's way better than uh, the corner of what my typical corner of my bedroom where I do these podcasts. My <laughs> my hair's gotten smaller and smaller as my two kids have taken over my house. But uh, yeah, let's talk about same side. Um, same side action. It's like you know you're watching um the 60 meter hurdle race and it's like well what's the linchpin of technique like what should you be arms and legs and what's that coaching linchpin that fits everything together so you could you talk a little bit about coaching the same side same side arms and legs as athletes move yeah one and when we say same side you know same it's lateral most time we, we coach contralateral opposite side you know left arm uh, right leg so forth and so forth but with, with same side we're trying to get at a certain time for the the right arm right leg to occupy the same space you know, whether it's in front, you know, and I don't get in the front of plane, transverse planes. So I don't get into those things. It's in front of the body, on the side of the body, behind the body. Mm-hmm. But I want them to occupy the same space. You know, you see it often, like I said, great, great dribblers in basketball where the, the, they're occupying the same space as they do, you know, crossover dribbling behind the back, uh, high jump as you go to take off, javelin. You have an uh, arm and back, leg and back. You know, you have a one in front, you know, the same sides in front. So, so we see it plenty of times, and so the better we get at, at occupying the same space with the same side at the, at the right time, 
things are happening because now the body's coordinated and, 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 and the energy's flowing in the same direction, same time. And so that becomes a thing. And like I said, with long jump, you know, how do I come off the board in long jump? Well, I got to time it up the same side to work together. And that's what we forget is not, you know, uh, drive up the knee, you know, and that's what probably, drive up the knee and the left arm. No, I want the left arm and left leg to kill the board. Mm-hmm. That's going to make me jump high, you know. Yeah. The, if, the, if the left the foot's going down, the left arm's going up the right, I got energy going too many directions. So how can I get these things, this left arm and this left leg, to occupy the space of the board at the same time? That's going to make me jump high. Yeah. Far. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's it's almost like the mental bandwidth that we devote uh, things to uh, is easier. Like, right. like, and so, like, just for example, too, I think for uh, just to, like, maybe let's just talk coming out of a three point start, something simple that most people are familiar with. So, if I'm, you know, I got my right leg is in front, my push off leg, and my left leg's in back, and my left hand is down, uh, how am I, how am I working same side in that context? In that context, the, the left hand or the down hand will go forward. So if the left hand's down, left leg's back, right leg's forward, the left hand will go forward and the right hand will go back. Now, the left leg will also go forward. And so we have this thing happening and then the left arm will come back and now all of a sudden the left leg, left arm occupying the same space as the foot hits the ground, which is what I want to have. That's why I want to occupy the same space. Now, Mike of Sore Fitness, he calls it equal distance. Mm-hmm. And so he looks at it from a different standpoint, but it's the same thing, that the same side will always be equal distance from the midline at, at all times. Okay. There will always be equal distance. And so he looks at it from a di- but it's the same thing. How do we work this one side of the body and the other side of the body as a pair instead of working opposite sides of the body as a pair? I got you. Uh, and and you, there was a good example, too, and maybe I'll post this video because I, I think this really hits it home. Uh, and, and this could be extrapolated to any skill, you know, like it's not, I mean, track is the easiest cause it's performance driven and, right. and, but, uh, it was, uh, Holloway running the hurdles. Right. And, and his biggest thing compared to his two competitors on the left and right, when you watch that video is you were saying his, his, uh, trail arm. Yeah. His, yeah. Same side it, arm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. His trail arm is, is the go arm. So most of us have been taught that we have a lead arm. So, so, and that's the contralateral movement mm-hmm. where I say I'm a left leg lead hurdler. So left leg goes out, right arm goes out. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to swing the right arm to the back. Left arm goes to the back as the right leg comes through. With, with Grant, the left arm is there with the left leg, with the lead leg at the same yeah. time. And then all of a sudden that forces the lead leg down. Now, when the trail leg comes through, all of a sudden, guess what? It's the perfect time again because now he's mashed up and balanced to go again because everything's equidistance again. But it's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to watch because it's, it, you never catch it unless you look for it. You know, and, I, and you, you, see, you will see a lot of elite hurdlers do it. You know, we just have never looked for it because we've been trained to swing that arm out of the way. But when you watch that race, the athlete from Kentucky should have won that race. But because he's swinging that right arm, He's getting off balance, and so you see him sway almost to the end, to the to the lane line. And he has to come back to center. Grant Holloway stays down the center the whole time. Why? Because he's working that same side to stay balanced. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, when I was always taught doing hurdle drills, so you 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 put the hurdle against the fence, right? And you kick your lead leg and you swing your right arm over, right, so right. contralateral. But Grant's working his left leg and left arm, like that's what right. well, that's the pair, and that's right. faster, and it's keeping him straight. And all these other guys are swaying all over the place. Right, right. Even if I was long jumping, yeah. I, if I'm landing, watch the Cuban guy as he lands. The left leg comes forward, and the left arm comes to reach out. Mm. That I have great flexibility for that. I don't have flexibility. I'm going to be short every single time. Yeah, yeah. So you wonder why we fall short on long jump. Instead of going contra, go same side. This one touches down, then the other side touches down. 
your increasing lane is just like that, all because the flexibility is there to do it same size. Yeah, and I liked how even high jump, we don't have a high jump hit out here, how I was just running my curve up to jump at the grass track barrier and thinking about, you had me thinking about my, um, I take off my left leg and you had me working my left elbow behind my body. Right. Like, and that was so much mentally easier to kind of fit into that run and take off than if I was thinking about uh, something on my other side. And so, it, yeah, it really just makes it simple. It's like a linchpin to make it that, and everything else builds around that, not. not right, right, right. Because then, like I said, within the high jump, yeah, the left leg and left arm is together now. And then that puts the right arm, right leg together, which means you have this nice energy flow to, to even stretch out and go. Versus if you go punch the other way, mm-hmm. you don't have the same energy flow to stretch. Now we now kids can't stretch out. And things happen this way here. The energy flow is it's. Oh, they doing okay. The energy flow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I do a back runners over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's what we're talking about. This energy flow that's coming from the ground up. You know, versus you hit the ground, then you try to skip off the ground to jump. That's yeah. a different story. Yeah, the timing and and the way we coach and feel a lot of athletes to feel things is just so critical. Right, right, right. But yeah, but that's same side thing where we're trying to time it right so that the 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 same side arm and leg occupies a certain space at the same time. Yeah, well, that's good stuff, man. I, um, yeah, it was it was really great being out here today. Just uh, you know, going through foot stuff, some running, feeling things out, and and finished with this podcast. Uh, I'm sure after we'll probably watch these runners for a few minutes. So, right, right. And, great, and, was, and you got the modified shoes on, and and oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, hey, actually, last thing, real quick, is just tell us a little bit what to expect at uh, Rewire. Uh, you know, you're putting on these Rewire clinics. So uh, what are, what can some people expect out of that? Well, the, the biggest thing is, is back to basics, you know, just, just some basic information on how to get back to that basic athlete and then how we grow from being that basic athlete and about being fast, you know. Um, and that's always the bottom line is, is how do I get faster? How do I get faster? And so we got to get back to that basic foundation of understanding, you know, um, posture. Uh, feet in this whole thing transverse arch you know the flap uh, as far as putting energy into the body you know and, and those things makes us that makes us fast and, and but we got to get back to those to those basic things rewire the system uh, from what we know to what we used to know yeah I love it it's almost like taking that that functionality of an innate human being you know that that kid on the playground who just plays and doesn't have shoes on and putting a lot of power on top of that you know <laughs> that's what I think of so well yeah, well, yeah and that's what we talked about earlier too where uh, we in love with the look, but don't understand the function. And so rewire is about the function, not about the look. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Well, hey, thank you for being back on my show again. It's always hey, a pleasure talking to you. appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Uh, appreciate you all listening and appreciate being a you all being a part of this journey that I've been on, just speaking to people, again, on the edge of the field, on the cutting edge of the field, and uh, increasing my awareness of what it means to be a good athlete, how to train athletes, and everything that goes into what makes those elite freaks of nature do what they do, being able to take pieces of that and give that to all of us, the rest of us mere mortals, (laughs) to make us all better. And uh, it's just been such a fun ride with Hedarian. If you enjoy the show, uh, don't hesitate to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to. Also, please visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology. Uh, They have been an amazing sponsor for this show. They update their blog daily and have a really cool online shop with all your sports tech needs. We will see you guys next week with another great guest. Have a good one.